This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, isn't it about time your printer got smart too? Now printing is smart with HP+. And the HP Smart app is how it all happens. You can print from your phone with just a tap, no matter where you are. Even from your garage slash home office slash yoga studio. Huh, that is smart. HP+. Learn more about smart printing at hp.com slash smart. Leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Welcome to Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath, where experienced leaders share their own brand of leadership to help you develop and improve your own leadership capabilities. And now, here's your host, Dr. Gary. Hello again, I'm Dr. Gary, and this is Leading from the Front, where we delve into all kinds of leadership experiences, information, and knowledge to understand what we try to do in developing our leaders, which is making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. My guest today is the Chief Customer Officer, and I love that title because we talk all the time in leadership about employee experience, customer experience. And this gentleman is responsible for the customer experience within eTech Global Services, which is an international company that he will explain what they do and how they do it. But the customer experience responsibility is both internal and external. And I want to welcome today, Jim Ayub, who is our guest on Leading from the Front. How you doing, Jim? Well, Dr. Gary, thank you. I'm doing wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. Exciting time um, to talk about customer experience and, and where the future is headed. I'm, I'm very honored to be here with you. Well, well, thanks. So before we get to the future, though, let's talk a little bit about the past, because I, I noticed that uh, you were with eTech, you went to another company, you came back to eTech, but most of your career has been with that. You had some time with Dun & Bradstreet early on. So uh, talk to me a little bit about your history and what you've learned through these experiences as uh, you've had a, a long career. Yeah, so great question. I actually started on the phones for Dun & Bradstreet. I was a regular communicator on the phone, just like a you would call a call center agent. Um, worked my way up through that organization, um, got the opportunity. My boss, uh, Matt Rocco, who actually was my boss at, at Dun & Bradstreet, got an opportunity to come to Texas in 2000. He recruited me. I came down here as an account manager, so I managed some people, a couple leaders. We were a little small, about I think it was about 400 employees maybe, uh, and, and uh, we took the company private in 2003, and today eTech is a global footprint, eight locations globally, 3,000 employees uh, over our decades of, of work, no mergers, no acquisitions, and uh the main reason I left for those couple of years, I only left because um, back then work at home positions weren't available and my daughter was getting older and I needed to get her in a real school. So we moved uh, to San Antonio, Texas. And of course, when the at home positions came open, I came back uh, openly to uh, eTech. Well, that's that's a great uh, part of the story, I think, when we talk about the balance and making decisions in our lives as leaders for our family. It's really important that we have that balance, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about uh, your your more recent uh, work with eTech as the customer experience officer. How, who came up with that name? 
I think it was me because I kind of like it. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's similar. Like if you think about some of the names and titles we use in our world today, you know, AI. It's the same as big data that we talked about years ago. So from a chief customer officer, I look at CX, right? At the end of the day, no matter what you're selling, whether it's a widget or a boat, doesn't matter. The only differentiator you have anymore between you and your customer is that experience. So mm. I'm very passionate about how you can deliver an, ex you know, an excellent customer experience, or some people call effortless. And I think leadership has a lot to do with that. Analytics are important. Don't get me wrong. Analytics tell you the who, the what, the why, the where. But people, people mm -hmm. is what's making the difference because people can be creative. People actually do more um, for the customer experience than I've seen over the last 30 years in my world. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I'm gonna I'm gonna use an analytics from the hospitality business. I ask people all the time, what's the one thing that people walk into a hotel that the 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 thing that they're looking for and they've measured that causes them to think that the hotel is a good place, is gonna have a good experience, it's someplace they wanna come back to again. And it's all about how long they have to wait to check in. And obviously that's something that's very measurable. And you can see with a lot of, a lot of hotels today, they've actually eliminated with electronics, the need to check in. You can through an app, walk into a hotel, check in electronically and through your iPhone, I can walk up to my room and open the room. So it's all done that experience for some people. Yep. It's like, it's awesome. Other people are like, Oh no, I don't. I, so they have the typical walk up to the, the front desk and get your key and whichever way the customer wants to do it. Right. So over the years, what have you seen in your company where that customer experience has shifted and how, how do you go about doing that? Cause you're, you're responsible for strategy too, right? Yes. So it's hard. Cause when you think about, when you think about the strategy to change people's mindset, I think the biggest thing I did from a leadership perspective was to actually talk about, you know, real life situations. Like you, you had a great example there, but I'll, I'll give you my example. Yeah. How hard is it for me to do business with you? Uh. That's pretty much how I look at everything, right? How hard is it? If I'm buying from you or I'm paying you for the service, how much effort on my part? You know, when, when you think about like a credit card company as an example, when you call up five, 10 years ago, your wait time was 20 minutes and that was okay. Because things were different back then, right? You really didn't have a lot of choices. Today's world now, to your point, you have so many choices. You can use human beings. You can use technology. You can do whatever you want. So all of those omni-channel services need to be working together, right? Mm -hmm. And then the biggest adapting rate, when I, which I found for myself, was you know, being able to get internal stakeholders who were set in their ways to change. Right. Because some people say, hey, we've always done it this way. Well, you know what? If you look at our track record on if you don't evolve to meet your customers, you could be ended up like the next blockbuster as an example. Absolutely. Right. They didn't evolve. They had the opportunity to buy Netflix and they didn't. You're looking at all these companies that aren't involved in Payless and name of other few that are out there this year, Sears and, and these companies. I mean, look at, you know, um, Toys R Us as an example. They opened a store back up in New Jersey, which I think is great. But I mean, just look at some of those epic brands. It's because they haven't evolved to meet the customer demands. Because at the end of the day, it's your customer's decision to tell you how to contact them, not yours. 
So if I want to contact you with a human being, you got to give it to me. If I want to contact you via an app, you got to give it to me. And that's the biggest difference. And that challenge was getting everybody else to see that as the future going. That was my biggest challenge. So internally, was your biggest challenge? My biggest challenge was to get people internally to look at where where the business is going. Because when you're talking about this five, six years ago, it was an idea. Now it's become a reality. Um, but we think eTech, we've always been on the forefront of vision and looking at things differently. And of course, our executive teams are obviously on board, but some of the people below us don't see what we see. Yeah. So it's interesting from a leadership standpoint, they talk about vision all the time. John Cotter in his eight-step change model talks about really clearly identifying the problem before you can really get people to move on the vision. And what the the psychological purpose of that is to get people to see what the pain is going to be if you don't change. So they compare the, the present state with the future state and go, if we don't do anything, what's going to happen? Well, it's like kind of like you use Blockbuster as an example. If we don't do anything, what's going to happen? And, and people didn't have the forethought to realize what's going to happen is you're going to be out of business. Um, so th- there's I guess it's kind of interesting because as you talk about this, there's a little bit of visionary excitement with fear of failure all at the same time to get people motivated as a leader. Yep, absolutely. My favorite coaching mentor is John Maxwell, who believes serving. If you put your, and that's what eTech's culture is all about, is servant leadership and serving others. If you dedicate your life to serving others, then a lot of these things actually will take care of itself. Like people talk about taking care of the P&Ls, talk care of the numbers, take care of your people first and everything else will take care of itself. So I'm a big follower of John Maxwell um, and and obviously some others. He's not the only one out there, but I, I believe in serving others is the key. And I like that. I like the idea of serving others. Uh, so when we talk about our leadership definition is the ability to build relationships so we can achieve our goals together with compassionate accountability. I used to talk about influence and I, I thought long and hard about this idea of the word influence and servant leadership. I don't like servant leadership. I like service leadership or serving others, as you said, because I'm not a servant as a leader. I'm not there to provide for others whatever they need. I'm there to provide for others what they need to succeed and allow them to succeed using the talents that they have. So I fill in the blanks. I've had a lot of sales teams that I've had to work with as VP of sales for three different companies. My whole objective was to provide for them what they what they can't do for themselves. And isn't that, you know, you we were talking earlier about your daughter. You've got kids. Isn't that how we bring kids up is you you want them to push the boundaries and we're holding the boundaries inappropriately so that they can grow. But they don't grow without learning to do things and sometimes failing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how do you balance all of that as a leader? Well, that's a great problem to have when you think about what the kids are. You know, kids are going to be kids. And of course, by all means, you want to serve them and you want to lead them to greatness as well. And, you know, you have to have a work-life balance because a lot of the mm. stuff you do in raising your children actually can be brought into the, into the company as well. You know, when you think about um, servant leadership, right, and influence, like you used the word influence. So a lot of people in the old days used to have that methodology of, you know, color of the week or the month where they would come out and try to motivate you. People can't be motivated. People can be inspired. There's a huge difference. 
And in order to be an inspirational leader or an influential leader, you need to walk the talk. Because, right, if you think about it, you know, anybody can become a leader because of a title. But only true servant leadership or serving leaders are going to get the respect, right, and the influence to change people's lives. Because if you think about if you're always inspired and you keep down the negative, right, doesn't mean to have rose-colored sunglasses on, but you appeal to values first and foremost, trust, right, integrity, and then delegate some of those responsibilities. We, I mean, I find that being, you know, a, a great asset. I mean, I had bad bosses in my life. I had great bosses in my life. And every time I had a bad boss, I would say, I'll make sure I never do that. And all the great bosses I've had and leaders I've had, I'm going to continually do that. And I have lots of mentors inside of eTech and outside of eTech. I'm a strong believer of getting leaders around you, outside you, to help you to run ideas by and learn more. Okay, so coaching and mentoring is a big thing with us uh, at Staterius. Talk to me about a little bit about your background. You, oh, I'm going to start with Matt Rocco. You said brought you into the company. Obviously, he was somebody that you respected. You had worked with at DMB, and when he said, "Hey, come on over," you don't do that with somebody you don't respect or you're you're fearful of. So, talk to me about that history. It, a lot of people don't do this. They don't actually intentionally look for coaches and, and mentors to help them. It sounds like you've done that. A lot. I, I have, and it's you know Matt's been a great a great inspiration for me. I remember meeting Matt. I was in Pennsylvania. I went to work at Dunham Bradstreet, a call center. Like I said, I was a communicator. I was on the, and he was the director, and he brought me into his office. So here you go, you got a director bringing you in to say welcome aboard, which was mind boggling to me. And this is back in the nineties, and he says, "What do you want to do?" I said, "Well, geez, I I kind of want your job," <laughs> and and he looked at me and, and he basically he he took a liking to me. And he says, you know what? I'm going to help you get there someday. And he unofficially mentored me. Wow. I worked for him for nine months. There was an opening somewhere else at Dun & Bradstreet. He encouraged me to go try out for, even though I wasn't prepared. I went down. I interviewed so well that they actually hired me in a different office nine months after working for Matt Rocco in Dixon City. And long story short, through my career at Dun & Bradstreet, while I didn't report to Matt anymore, he was my unofficial mentor and helped me through my career. So then when he left, he came, I said, where are you going? He says, you'll find out. <laughs> and 30 days later, he flew me and my wife down to beautiful Nacogdoches, Texas, and we joined him. Um, and again, you see the same thing when I left him for those couple of years, it wasn't because of E-Tech or him. It was because of my family. And he didn't want me to leave, but I had to leave because of my daughter. And then, you know, we kept in touch, obviously. He still mentored me in my other job. And then two years later, when he said, hey, listen, what about working from home? I was like, done. I'll start tomorrow. <laughs> and that's, that's, you know, so, so that's a testament of inspiration and someone who actually leads about people. And, and he, Matt Rocco, has, has brought to us this whole level of servant leadership throughout our organization. We have a dean of leadership development. Myself, him, our executive team, we get coached. We have people that come and coach us and develop us and the rest of our organization as well as ourselves. So we're, we're a big believer in that serve others. Well, so there's a bunch that you said that I want to I unpack a little bit. Um, in our, in our, we have a very 
intense nine-month leadership development program and coaching is part of that in on on multiple levels we teach how to coach but we also have professional coaches that work people through the whole program it is the number one activity that you can do in a leadership position to develop your skills because it forces the person to apply leadership skills contextually within the job that you're doing right now and that's the key to leadership development is being able to apply contextually but one of the things that you said that I just wanted to grab a hold of was I wasn't prepared. Matt got me to take this job after nine months and I wasn't prepared. However, what the way I interpret that is you don't think you were prepared and you may not have had the skill, but you had the talent. And Matt saw that when you didn't. Agreed. hundred percent. And that's what Matt has taught all of us. And if you look at anybody at eTech, we have given people chances who may or may not have the skill. And we have a saying, I'll take will over skill any day because I can teach skill. Yes. I can't teach will. Yes. Yes. So the other thing that you talked about was values, um, serving others and having values. And uh, I noticed on your website, you have these character commitments, 12 character commitments, which if applied every day would, would be a spectacular feat. Talk to me a little bit about how as the as the customer experience leader how you make sure that those 12 commitments i'm just for our listeners i want to integrity valuing people teamwork accountability communication vision adaptability humility i love humility we'll talk about that creativity teachability positive influence courage those those are your 12 commitments how do you keep those alive every day so great, great question. And, and this is a, a part that uh, Matt brought to the table years ago when he developed this. And we have our own trainers, like I said. So every single person at ETEC in a leadership position signs off on a commitment that they're going to do these. And on top of that, we also have training on each one of those commitments. And on top of that, once a year, there, there is an award ceremony where your peers nominate a person in each location, onshore, nearshore, offshore, for one of those 12 care commitments, which not by us, the executive team, by their peers. Their peers are nominating the people who went above and beyond in that particular character for the year. And we have a big award ceremony. It's like the Grammys or the Emmys. And, you know, they get this nice award and we talk about them. And, they, and, and it's a prideful thing because someone who's demonstrated that above and beyond for the last 12 months. And we do that once a year as well. You know, I love that. Cause so you, you give out awards for each one of the 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause to be able to follow all 12 would be almost impossible. Correct. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, uh, none of us are a saint and we can also, the thing I love about having these kinds of values specified. And I do work with that with companies that, that sometimes a couple of companies I'm working with now don't even have them and they're developing them. And because they want to create a, a, an intentional culture, right? You're creating an intentional culture rather than, you know, one that people just go into business for themselves. At any moment in time, multiple values that you've listed here could be in conflict. And that's the challenge a lot of people have is how do I be honest with courage and also show humility at the same time sometimes? So- do, do you see that in the work that you do? How, how do you teach that? 
Well, I mean, it's a great question. I, and to your point, I don't think you could be perfect at every one of them. But being cur- courageous just means simply is having the courage to be able to say no, having mm. the courage to be able to see something that, you know, you know, maybe maybe you see something that you don't think is right or maybe the customer or whatever and just speaking up. And then when you think about the humility, the humility is just being teachable, right? Humility doesn't mean to lay down and let everybody take advantage of you. Humility means let me be humble enough to know that I'm not perfect and, and look at other people as not being perfect and then taking those cultures together and blending them. So if you think about it, we're managing multinational companies, right? So we're in locations. So we have onshore, we have four centers in Texas, one in Florida. We have one in Jamaica. We have two in India. So if you think about cultures and all of these you know, different religions and different people that is associated with our business, the biggest advantage of focusing on those 12 character commitments is no matter where you are in the world, you can relate those. Whether you believe Jesus Christ died for our sins or not is one thing. But we all agree, no matter what culture you're in, that Jesus, whether you believe it is, was the unbelievable best servant leader in the world today. Right. Yeah. So if you focus instead of on religion and focus on the behaviors, I think you're able to blend the best of both worlds. Because if you look at our our offshore locations, they are amazing at process project. Certain things they're very very good at. Right. And where an American culture is might not be as good as that. So what we've learned to do is to blend to blend the best of both worlds. Take all the positives of one culture. And all the positives of the other culture, remove the negatives and combine those two cultures together. And that's what gives you the recipe for success to be able to embrace those 12 character commitments, regardless of location. And then to your point, when you talk about culture, culture is what's going to differentiate you from everybody else. People don't leave jobs. They leave toxic work cultures. Right or bosses and, they and leave bosses. You, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When you leave, a, yeah. when you live a culture of serve and serving others, it's just a better, it's a better world to be in. Yeah. Well, and and specifically, uh, I was, you know, I talk about this quite often. I've got a family of military. We've served in the military. My four brothers, my father, my son, and I have 108 years of military service. And what we teach is IGYB because in the military, I've got your back. I've always got your back because in the military, if you don't, somebody dies and it's not that critical in, in, in business. However, it's, it's a slower death. It's a death of a thousand cuts. You know, it's this little thing. If somebody doesn't help each other out, uh, you leave somebody out on the, on the limb by themselves and, and they, they're, they're asking or wanting help and they don't get it. So this idea of serving others is, is very, very powerful in organization. So what, what if you were going to go back and, and tell Jim something 20 years ago, you started this career with E-Tech in 2000 and you want to write Jim a letter and you say, Jim, here's a couple of things you might want to think about moving forward. What would, what would that say? Yeah. So for me, uh, I would probably, when I was young, I thought about title. I really did. Um, Title was everything. When I was young, I was in my twenties when I started my career, you know, if I wrote it back, I would say to motivating other people and inspiring other people, I, I look at my goals differently. I wouldn't focus on title because titles are relevant. You can get influence as a janitor. It doesn't really matter. Anybody in the entire world. Um, it, just because you have the title doesn't make you a leader. And, and that's, that's what I've learned um, mm. you know, the, the hard way. I wish I, if I knew way back when to translate my vision into reality, 
that's what makes you a leader. Because the leader is your vision and what you're doing and how you're acting, not the title you have. And then when you face those serious situations, I think some of the things I've overcome is, you know, I had a couple mentors. Matt Rocco was one of my best mentors. Probably wish I had a few more. Probably wish I would have been more open to ask for more. And then the, the, the last thing I probably would have said is, you know, I think without mentioning personality traits, right? Um, you have to have that personality and, and to, to learn to be a great leader um, because there's, we all know there's introverts, extroverts and all that, right? But the definition of that true leader are, is people who's going to admire and follow. And if I'm going to follow you, you have to have that personality like you talked about earlier. It's a relationship. You can have a relationship with anybody regardless of what your skill sets are and what your traits are, whether you're an introvert or extrovert, you can still carry on a relationship. And I think that's the part that I miss because certain people have different traits and you may not have meshed with them. And you probably, if I look at it back again, um, I probably would have looked at that a little more. Yeah. I, I wish I had received that letter from you 20 years ago. Uh, <laughs> I would have, I would have learned a lot because it's the same kinds of things as my career that I look at. Being an engineer, uh, being a military officer, being brought up by a military officer engineer, you think more about results, getting things done. I was never concerned about the title. In fact, I love your you know, customer experience uh, officer title because it describes more about what you do. When I took over my second position as VP of sales and marketing, the team was in such disarray. I changed my title to head coach. And <laughs> And uh, I was a head coach of sales, and I can remember the owner of the company going, "Why did you? Why are you calling yourself that?" I said, "Because these people need a coach; they don't need a vice president." And um, it, you know, so title is—I love that. It's—it's—it's it's, it's just a moniker. It's not—it's got nothing to do with your leadership. And I've said many times, the only—the only ability to lead others in the long run, the only lasting ability, is personal power, not positional power. Positional yep. power is fleeting. So. That's yeah, great. and it's fun. It's funny you talk about coaches because everybody needs a coach. We all know that, myself included. All of our supervisors, we don't call them supervisors. They're team coaches. They're assistant yeah. coaches, Beautiful. coaches, leaders. We don't have supervisors, managers. We don't use those type of words. And because of it, you're right. At the end of the day, everybody needs a coach. Everybody can get better. Well, I I think that's a great message for us to end on. Everybody needs a coach, and everybody can get better. Uh, Jim, I. Uh, I think that uh, over time, if if you're willing, I might need to call on you again because you and I could talk for hours and hours and hours about this th this thing we call leadership. Absolutely. I would love to be part of that, and I would love to bring in some of our other leaders because uh, I will tell you, we have our COO, Kayleen Eccles, is another one I think uh, would be great to talk to you on this one because she's so passionate about developing our overall leadership strategies um, and because of her, she's, she's my partner in this. And, and by all means, I, I think there's some things that we talked about inspiration, all those things. So I, I'd love to talk to you in the future, but also I think a, a lot of other people that I know would be uh, beneficial as well. Well, I, that, that's awesome because I'm going to be doing one a week and, uh, I'd love to get the, the culture that you're talking about. I'm very excited about because it's the kind of culture that we're trying to create in across multiple companies with Staterius that is based on character. It's based on those, those commitments that you talk about. And uh, it's so important because just having a company that makes money nowadays, it's not good enough for, for most of us. And especially with the younger generation, they want a sense of purpose. So 
we'll we'll work on that together. I'd I'd like that, and uh, we'll we'll reach out and talk about it and get more more of the e-tech leaders on this program if we can. Outstanding. Anything that you'd like to add in terms of advice or you know your your uh, your mission other than serving others? So my last tips for the day, which you know easy bullet points, as we all know, tell them, tell them again, and tell them again. If you're looking to be a leader, a good leader should always strive to be inspiring the others. A true leader never stops learning. Self-learning is very important. As you saw from the pictures that we shared with you earlier, I have a bunch of books that I read. I'm constantly learning. Communication is probably one of the underestimated uh, traits that you should learn. It's vital in any type of successful leadership. Um, It's always uh, better to see the big picture as well. Um, And last but not least, the ideal leader, someone who sets examples so that others can follow. Well, that's some great advice, Jim. And uh, I'm just thrilled that I had you on today and I look forward to furthering the relationship in the future. So I am Dr. Gary and I have just enjoyed a lot of time here with Jim Ayub, the Chief Customer Officer at eTech Global Services. We are committed to making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability because leadership is a responsibility, not a position. This is Dr. Gary signing off once again for Leading from the Front. Thank you. Thanks for being with us on Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the work Dr. Gary is doing, visit statarius.com. S-T-A-T-A-R-I-U-S dot com. Music for Leading from the Front is provided by Peter Katz. For more of his music, visit peterkatz.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.